Hey, it's Peter here with MyFSHD. Well, I'm back from the Muscular Dystrophy Association Scientific and Clinical Conference in Nashville, Tennessee that I was attending last week. There was a lot of really good FSHD work discussed and some really cool advances all in neuromuscular disease space and therapeutic development, gene therapy, small molecules, um, antisense. If you want to know what I'm talking about, you can check out last week's podcast when I sat down with uh, Carice Hameda and we talked about therapeutics. Um, but, you know, it was really good. We, uh, Dr. Jeff Statland had a session on lab to life for FSHD and I was there, and Dr. Stephen Tapscott, Scott Harper, and uh, Michelle Mellian from Fulcrum Therapeutics were were there. We all kind of discussed, you know, every, a little bit, you know, high level everything from FSHD uh, basics to animal models. That was what I talked about. Scott talked about some therapeutic approaches, an overview, and then Michelle talking about, you know, the first FSHD drug, I guess we can say, in clinic, at least going to phase three. And so, yeah, it was a really cool overview. Then uh, after that, went on and I did a session on CRISPR inhibition for FSHD. I think that's going to be available online through the MDA website. Um, but again, we did a podcast on CRISPR, oddly enough, with with Carice again back, uh, that may have been our second podcast. So you can check that out, what we're talking about with CRISPR. But I think the overriding theme was that this is a great uh, time for neuromuscular disease therapeutics because... We're, we're understanding disease mechanisms, and there are just so many different therapeutic approaches. And for FSHD, we just have the benefit of those going in front of us, the Duchenne muscular dystrophy gene therapy trials, uh, for SMA trials, even ALS has some trials out there. And and what we're learning um, about safety and efficacy, gene delivery, and, and what's important for these uh, to have the success and why, why some of these trials um, fail, frankly. Uh, the antisense trials. Now, antisense is a big thing in FSHD. These are the companies like Dyne, Arrowhead, Avidity, Myracule. You know, they all have an anti-Dux4 antisense, and that they talk about going to clinic. They're a little bit different, and you know, it's probably proprietary. Uh, but they, the ideas are, you know, these technologies are out there already in the clinic for other indications, and so we got to see a lot of how those trials are going. When it comes to dosing and durability, efficacy, toxicity, and safety, those types of things. So really cool. It was great, great time. Now for this podcast uh, uh, this week, I'm going to step aside again. And our MyFSHD ambassador, Kate Foles, takes over and sits down with Dr. Julie Dumonceau of the University College London. She's a professor at the Institute of Child Health there. And Julie's been in the field for about five I think as long as I have. Um, she was in France originally, recently moved to London. And, you know, I really appreciate Julie's approach to FSHD therapeutics. She, I'd say she's, she's quite innovative in her ideas. She has ideas of using gene therapy to kind of to drive, say, aptamers and some antisense and some things. And, you know, it's just, it's really great to have uh, these innovative approaches in the field. You know, not everybody looks at everything the same way. And I think Julie's approaches are, are really, really interesting. And hopefully, you know, they're going to get to the clinic. So I'm, I know she uses our mouse, our flex mouse model. We're very happy to have, uh, some, I guess, informal collaborations with her. And, you know, this is going to be a discussion about, uh, yeah, just kind of a little bit everything. Uh, FSHD going on with her group. On uh, respect to their therapeutics and just some of you know her opinions, I'm I guess on on FSHD in general. So uh, you know it's interesting. I got the I got the 
the specs or what, what would you say the reports back for my FSHD and they said we're the number four podcast in Great Britain yeah, for nonprofits so I'm assuming that there are that means there's at least four podcasts for nonprofits but we're gonna steam up the charts with this one and I'm gonna let uh, Kate take it away with her um, sit down with uh, Dr. Dumanso and again this was recorded a, a, about a month ago. And um, I thought it would be good to put on the, the podcast platform to be, have more access. So I hope you enjoy it. And Kate, go ahead and take it away. Hello, everyone. I am Kate. I am an FSHD patient in the north of England. And I am here today to interview Julie DeMonso, who is a researcher at UCL. Um, Julie, I'll let you introduce yourself now. Yeah, thank you, Kate. Uh, so I'm uh, Julie DeMonso. I'm a professor at uh, the Institute of Child Health uh, at UCL, and I lead a small group, group um, research group, uh, mainly focusing on um, therapeutic approaches for FSHD. Um, I also like your background, Julie. It's, uh, is it UCL? Yeah. It is, actually. <laughs> I'm very familiar with that part of the building. <laughs> So Julie, how and why did you get into FSHD research? Um, uh, so actually it was by chance. Um, and um, I, 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 at this time, it was like uh, 15 years ago, I was uh, working at uh, Geneton and uh, in France and uh, someone I attended, uh, I attended um, a seminar and someone presented um, a new paper uh, talking about FSHD, and at this time it was, you know, about uh, FRG1, that is uh, finally not uh, one of the uh, gene, gene involved in FSHD, but I, I was interested by the seminar, so I decided to do some uh, bibliography on FSHD, and I was, uh, you know, I was um, um, amazed by uh, 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 the disease and how fascinating uh, it, it was, and in terms of, of the genetic, in terms of the uh, onset, etc. So I decided to to really look at the papers, and then I decided to move forward on FSHD, and to and now you know I I I, I have a group working on this disease, so that's how I decided to move on FSHD. Yeah, um, and can you provide an overview of the main research focus of your lab? Yes, sure. Um, so uh, basically, in the lab, we uh, aim at uh, uh, developing some therapeutic approaches for uh, FSHD. So uh, we have different strategies ongoing, uh, and we target the uh, DOCS4 mainly, that is the master gene of FSHD that is involved in FSHD onset and progression. And so we target DOCS4 at DNA level, at mRNA level, and at protein level. So for the um, uh, DNA level, we already published a paper using the talent CRISPR uh, uh, technology, and we have shown that we are able to uh, cut uh, the, the the region uh, on D4 D4 and when we when we cut this region we inhibit the production of DOX4 so that's one possibility uh, and uh, when we also target DOX4 at mRNA level using uh, antisense oligonucleotides targeting the mRNA and in this case the antisense oligonucleotides binds the mRNA and induce its uh, 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 um, um, and destroy the mRNA. So if there is no mRNA, 
there is no protein. Um, and we inject antisense oligonucleotides or we vectorize this antisense oligonucleotide using an AV vector. So in this case, the antisense oligonucleotide is produced in the cells after the injection of the AV vector. And we also develop another strategy at protein level. Uh, that's uh, the decoy strategy. And in this one, we produce a decoy that is uh, mimic, that mimic uh, the DOX4 binding sites. So the decoy is able to bind the DOX4 protein. And when the decoy is bound to the protein, then DOX4 is trapped and is not able to bind the genomic DNA anymore. So DOX4 uh, uh, is still present, but cannot uh, uh, bind the DNA, so it cannot induce the misregulation of all the genes that, is, that are the, the DOX4 nectar genes. And finally, we develop also a biomarker of um, the efficacy of the therapy we develop, and that's a very, very important point, because so far, we, we do not have real reliable biomarker uh, that, that can be used in clinical trials, for example. So this is uh, very, very important. And one of the biomarkers we are looking at is the myostatin, because myostatin is produced by, by, by the muscle. And for us, it's an indicator of the muscle health. Uh, when we have a low level of myostatin, this means that the, 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 the muscle is not, is not really in good shape. And, and when the muscle feels better, the myostatin uh, level increase. And so when we look at the, the myostatin level, we can say whether or not the, the muscle feels better after uh, uh, the administration of the therapy. Right. Basically, and, do on FSHD. Yeah. And I've also read that your lab's done a lot of work into um, the poly-A signal. Can you explain what that is and what the significance of the poly-A signal is in FSHD? Yeah, so uh, poly-A, that's the polyadenylation signal, uh, which is a six nucleotide sequence that is present in all of the uh, messenger RNA. And this is a particular sequence that is absolutely essential for the mRNA stabilization and the mRNA nuclear export. So when there is no uh, uh, polyadenylation signal, the mRNA is unstable and is degraded, and the mRNA will not produce a protein. So if we target the, the, the polyadenylation signal of DOX4, our expectation is that without the polyadenylation signal, the, the, the DOX4 mRNA is destabilized and there is no production of the DOX4 protein. So we decided to target the DOX4 polyadenylation signal because it was shown that immediate dual uh, carrying mutation, so the contraction of the D4Z4 repeat located on chromosome 10, because, because uh, in the human genome, there is a hundred of uh, location of the, uh, of the uh, D4Z4 repeat. And one of the most important in chromosome 4, and that's, that's uh, how uh, uh, FSHD1 patient has characterized because they have this contraction of the D4Z4 array on chromosome 4. But very interestingly, when this contraction occurs on chromosome 10, this is not associated with uh, FSHD. And actually it was shown that it's because 
the polyadenylation signal of DOX4, which is outside of the contraction, which is on the subtelomeric part of the chromosome, is mutated on the chromosome 10 compared to the chromosome 4. So that was uh, very important to show the, the crucial role of the polyadenylation signal in FSHG onset. So that's one of the reasons we decided to target the DOX4, the, the polyadenylation signal of DOX4, because it was shown that when the polyadenylation signal is mutated, this no longer leads to the production of the DOX4 protein. And second, the second reason is the fact that in the testes, it was shown that DOX4 was produced. Uh, but the, 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 the exon 3, which carries the polyadenylation signal that is used in the muscle is not used in the testis. And right. another polyadenylation signal is used in the testis that is located in exon six, seven, or eight. So if we target the glucine and antisense oligonucleotides, the polyadenylation signal located on exon three, we target only the, 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 the mRNA that is produced from the muscles and not the mRNA that is produced in the testes and that which, which you know, uh, could play a, a, a natural role uh, in, in human. So that's yeah. the, the two yeah. reasons why we decided to target those, uh, the polyadenylation signal of DOX4. Right, so is the poly-A signal then significant in both FSHD1 and FSHD2? Absolutely. Right. Uh, because uh, the production of uh, DOX4 is, is, uh, is the same in FSHD1 and FSHD2 patients. Yeah, there is no difference. Okay. Um, and as we uh, have started a new year, could you tell me what the um, most significant development in your lab last year was? Uh, in my lab? Yeah. Uh, um, so we so we develop uh, therapeutic approaches for for FSHG, and we uh, uh, show that one uh, uh, pathway involving cell death is misregulated in uh, in DOX4 expressing cells. That's the necroptosis. And so I think that's the that's the most important uh, result we had we had last year, and we published uh, this uh, uh, this uh, few few months ago. And we so we have shown that uh, necroptosis is involved in uh, FSHG and in DOX4 mediated cell death. So necroptosis is a new uh, target. Uh, uh, is a new therapeutic target. Right. Fantastic. Um, and so in 2022, are you planning on continuing with that research? Yes, of course, we're going we're gonna to continue that. Uh, uh, and we're going, so we have a funding from the FSHD Society to do so. And we are actually recruiting a postdoc uh, to perform this experiment to uh, 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 go further on the role of necroptosis in, 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 in FSHD and in DOX4 expressing cells. But we also continue our, the, our, our other uh, uh, research concerning the antisense oligonucleotide and the decoy mainly. Fantastic. Um, and as we sort of move towards getting clinical trials, um, hopefully in the in the near future, what uh, what's your feeling about the chances of, of treating or curing FSHD? Yeah, so so that's that's not uh, that's not uh, an easy the question. impossible question. <laughs> <laughs> that's not an uh, yeah yeah that's that's not an easy question. So uh, curing uh, means that you 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 
you totally so that uh, um, you you totally cure someone from, from the disease, but uh, if, we, if, we, if you treat, so there is some improvement. So my feeling is that to date, a cure is not possible, but mm -hmm. treating patient might be possible. Uh, and I think that uh, uh, the, the most uh, uh, promising thing is to at least stop the disease progression. Because the point is that in FSHD, it's, and it's also the case in many muscle diseases, you have an atrophy of the muscle fiber and the loss of the muscle fiber. So uh, one important thing is to stop this loss of muscle fiber in order to maintain the force and in main, to, to maintain you know, the, 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 uh, the, the ability uh, to work, et cetera. Um, but another thing is to uh, rebuild the muscle. And so one possibility to do so is to play with the myostatin, but it's not an easy way to do it because so far the results have been, you know, uh, disappointing in, in patients. Uh, but I think that first we should, uh, we should try to at least stop the disease progression. And then when the disease progression is stopped, we can uh, uh, think about rebuild some, some uh, uh, muscle fibers. Yeah. Um, and as you alluded to that, it's it's very difficult to deliver drugs into the muscle. Um, have there been any promising advancements um, that will make that easier in the future? Uh, I think so. Um, so. So there are many, many lab working on the delivery of different drugs uh, and different conditions to improve this. Uh, this, this. Um, so for example, when we talk about antisense oligonucleotides, different uh, 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 conjugates have been uh, published, different you know, uh, uh, cell-penetrating peptides. Now people are moving uh, on antibodies, so you can, you can combine an antisense oligonucleotide with an antibody that will recognize the receptor on the, on the surface of the muscle fiber, and this can improve the uptake of the uh, antisense oligonucleotide by the muscle fiber. Uh, so different companies are working using this kind of uh, antibody conjugated uh, antisense oligonucleotide or siRNA or you know, uh, this kind of thing. A new field is the, uh, uh, the nanoparticles. And so there are new lipid nanoparticles that are, that are used. Uh, and they also uh, may improve the uptake of the antisense oligonucleotide by the muscle fiber. And the, 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 another uh, possibility is to also modify for, for the people using AV vector. There are several papers showing that you can uh, you know, engineer the AV vector in order to improve their efficacy. So if you want to do so, you have several possibilities. Um, you can play with the capsid, and there, there was a very nice paper published in Cell like a few months ago, showing that by modifying few um, um, uh, codons on the AV capsid, you can massively increase uh, the, uh, 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 the targeting of the muscle and decrease also uh, the targeting of uh, of the, the liver, which is very important for the for for AV, so you can you you can do that, or you can also increase the expression level of the of the genes you want to express. And you know, if you have a low well, 
uh, not a law, but let's say let's say uh, a delivery, and you can't and you can't improve the delivery. What you what you can do is to improve the the uh, um, um, the expression of the gene you delivered. Uh, right. So that that's also one possibility. Uh, so I think yeah, I think it's still an issue. Yeah. Because we see that uh, for the other uh, diseases such as MTM1 or DMD, you know, uh, farmers are increasing the uh, uh, quantity of AV vector they, 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 they inject. Uh, and we see that there are some limitations to that also. Uh, but they're essentially trying to flood the system. Yeah. 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 Okay. Which is not, is not ideal, I'm guessing. No, no, which is not ideal. So, so, so we know that we have we have to we have to improve uh, the uh, the uptake if you if you, if you can see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's still it's still a major challenge to be to it's be still, overcome. Yeah. It's still, it's mm. still, but it's ongoing. I'm pretty confident about that. Yeah. Right. That's that's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess it's also one of those things that affects a lot of a lot of different diseases. So there's not just the FSHD field working on it. There's no, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, AV vectors are used in many, many uh, uh, muscle diseases. So, mm -hmm. so, and they're more advanced than us. You know, uh, for if you look at DMD or, or as I said, uh, uh, MTM1 or SMA. Uh, they've been using AV vector for 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 a very long time, and and they, they, we we can also look at the clinical trials that have been already made for these diseases and learn many many things. Uh, so so yeah so so by looking at the others, we can improve the the therapy for FSHD. Yeah, um, and generally, are you are you hopeful that you will be able to get something to the clinic anytime? in the next decade? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> in the next decade, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty confident. Uh, yeah. We have really nice collaboration with, uh, with the researcher uh, for, for, for example, the combination of the antisense oligonucleotide with, with uh, uh, CPP. We have other collaboration with uh, people working in other, you know, uh, uh, nanoparticle fields, these kind of things. So, so yeah, we, we, I, I am pretty confident that we, we, we will be able to deliver uh, our antisense uh, uh, very nicely in, 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 uh, in, in mice to begin and in human. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> if I put a mouse costume on, does that count? <laughs> oh, what? If I put a mouse costume on, does that count? Can I can I be a mouse? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so as an academic research lab, what what are the biggest challenges that you face in in trying to get into the clinic? Well, you know, that's always the same, the same, the same response. That's money. Um, because everything is really expensive. Uh, we have no idea how, how expensive it is. Uh, when we when well when we when we start using animals, it's really really uh, a massive amount of money. For example, uh, to maintain the colony we have, it's it's around uh, fifteen thousand pounds pounds per year. So it's 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 quite expensive. Uh, and then you have the salary of people, which is also very important. 
And but um, because I'm in the UK, I think that I'm facing something also different uh, from the other countries. It's at the, the Brexit, which impacts our uh, uh, research in different ways. First, we have to pay fees when we order things. So it's uh, so the cost increased, okay, for everything. Uh, that's the first point. And the second one is that you know if you want to if you want to come to work in the in the UK if you if you're a European now you need a visa, so so it's less easy to do and we have position open and we have difficulties to recruit people because I think of the Brexit and uh, yeah. and, and of course of the COVID but I think that's the main the main uh, uh, reason is the Brexit even if I can't prove it of course. Um, yeah, yeah, um, and so um, as a former UCL student, on a more positive note, <laughs> I'm interested to know what is the best thing about working at UCL, even if we're not in the EU anymore. <laughs> I think that's the, well, two things. Uh, um, the first one is the international reputation. So when you say that you work to uh, UCL. Uh, it's uh, everybody, you know, say, wow, that's that's really good, and and so so I think it's 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 um, you know it's um, it's a it's a good thing because when when you ask for money uh, 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 because you work at UCR, you you you, you it's it's better uh, for sure. That's the first thing, and the second one is the uh, excellence of research. Uh, uh, People around me are really good. We have uh, uh, also a very good collaboration with uh, uh, some groups like Francesco Montoni, okay, which is a, a leader group in the in the muscle field. Um, so they're, they're they're top researcher, and 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 it's uh, it's very impressive and and very you know um, interesting to talk with uh, people around me because they're they're really good. So yeah, yeah. Um, and what do you think are the chances for FSHD clinical trials to come to the UK? What hurdles do you think we need to overcome as a country to, to actually get patients on trials? Yeah, uh, so, so um, maybe you are referring to the fact that the, the fulcrum trials were not launched in the UK uh, during the, yeah. the, 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 the first phase. Um, so we are aware that uh, uh, Europe and UK are, you know, are, are not as advanced that uh, an organized uh, uh, compared to the USA. So actually, there are two important initiatives that uh, that were um, uh, that occurred last year. The first one is the FSHD uh, European Trial Network. That's um, a working group. Uh, working for trial readiness in Europe, okay? And um, the idea with this uh, group, with this consortium is to prepare Europe for clinical trial for FSHD, by example, by uh, attractive, attracting um, uh, FSHD clinicians, because we, there is not enough clinicians for FSHD, and uh, also to identify potential centers for clinical trials and to assess their, their readiness and willingness. That's very important. Uh, so that's the role of this FSHG clinical trial network. But there is another group 
that is exclusively so so this is an, an European uh, uh, group uh, so um, the UK is involved but also France also uh, Netherlands uh, Italy uh, Spain etc so it's a, it's a very important group um, but there is a, also a UK specific initiative uh, that was launched by uh, Raj Bajani, that the UK Bajani, sorry, that the UK FSG group. And the idea is also to get uh, UK involvement in clinical trials. So we are, uh, there are different uh, 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 groups in this uh, UK FSG group that are, you know, uh, um, one group works on, on uh, how to bring more uh, physician in the UK, in the FSHD in the FSHD, uh, uh, um, field. Another group is on research. How we how can we uh, collaborate more uh, more efficiently, uh, etc. So it's a very very important. These two initiatives are very very important, and I think that uh, uh, especially for the for the for for for, for the UK. Yeah. And, and what do you think that patients and families in the UK can do to, to try and help with those initiatives? Yeah, so so um, uh, if you, I think it's, it's important to have the, the, the voice of the patients, you know, uh, what are the patient's expectations? Uh, what do you what do you expect from from us, from the research? Uh, uh, that's very important, and and also that's very important to 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 be involved in, for example, uh, EMA uh, 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 European Medical Agency uh, uh, work group because uh, there are meetings regularly, and 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 patients are involved in this meeting because you know, they can say what what they expect, etc., and they 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 can. Um, um, speed up the process to go to the clinical trials. Yeah, that's very important. These patients are involved. It's very, very important. It's absolutely crucial, actually. The involvement of patients in the research in 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 this kind of initiative and EMEA. That's very, very important. Yeah, and natural history studies as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so absolutely. Kind of yeah, register, register. So, so, so it's very important that the patients also uh, register themselves in the in the UK patient register, well, UK or or other, but uh, uh, um, uh, patient register registry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we still obviously have a lot to to learn about FSHD. Um, in your opinion, what is the biggest gap in the knowledge at the moment that needs to be overcome? Yeah, so uh, I think that's, that's that's not an easy question, um, but maybe to really understand the role of dog's voice in disease uh, onset of progression. So for the moment, we know that dog's voice is involved. Okay, there are many many evidence showing that dog's voice is involved. Uh, dog's voice is expressed in FSHD one and FSHD two patients. Uh, the the uh, the um, the the methylation drives dox four expression, and 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 when and, and there is a loss of the of the uh, uh, repressive epigenetic marks in the FSHD patient, and this loss leads to dox four expression. The four QA allele is is required uh, uh, um, to to um, uh, declare FSHD and the 4QA allele 
carries the polyadenylation site of dox4. So many, many, we have many, many evidence showing that dox4 is involved, but actually we know that dox4 uh, 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 drives different, uh, 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 impair different function, impair the muscle, the, 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 the muscle function, induce the muscle fiber dance, increase the sensitivity to oxidative stress, etc. But we don't really know what exactly is the role of dox and what in all this potential role of dox what is the one which is the most important to drive FSHG onsets? Because if you look at dox expression, it's quite surprising because dox is expressed at very, very low level in one nuclei, you know, in, in, in one in a thousand, one in a thousand nuclei. So that's very, very low. There is an expression of dox in the fetus, in FSHD fetus, but you'll see the, the, the effect of dox expression 10 or 20 years later, or maybe or sometimes you know, 50 years later. So it's really surprising. And, and so it's 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 hard to understand how such a rare protein is able to drive the disease and how really how. Uh, so I think that's that that's that's a key question, still that's still a key question in FSHG. That's the exact role of Dox4 in the uh, FSHG onset. Yeah, one thing I've always wondered as well is why why is it that Dox4 only affects the skeletal muscle system and not the other muscles of the body? Um, because Dox4 because Dox4 is expressed uh, there is is expressed only in skeletal muscle. Um, you 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 can see a rare expression in in, in some in some other uh, organs or a very very low level, but actually it was published by uh, by the Peter uh, uh, group uh, uh, years ago now that you have a myogenic specific enhancer, meaning that the expression is is driven by a, a myogenic uh, a protein. So this this protein are only expressed in muscle. And that's why the expression of those four is restricted to the skeletal muscle. Right, fantastic, thank you. Um, and then some fun questions. Um, which scientist, living or dead, has been your biggest inspiration? And how have they influenced the work you're doing now and your approach towards treating FSHD? Well, okay, that's 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 for, for me. That's 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 not a, uh, 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 an easy question to answer. Um, because uh, I have to say that I don't have, you know, uh, uh, one scientist that was my, my biggest inspiration. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually what uh, I've learned during my career and, and when I was younger, uh, I've learned with amazing people. Uh, for example, uh, when I was a PhD student, I was in, in Paris and one and the, and the, uh, the director of my institute was a guy, um, a man called uh, Axel Kahn, who uh, died uh, uh, last year. But this man was absolutely incredible because we had these conferences with uh, all of the PhD students and, we, and, and the postdocs, and we were, you know, uh, maybe a hundred. So it was a big, a big, a big conference, and we were working on many, many, many different, different topics. Um, at this time, I was working actually on HIV, uh, but other people were working on cancer, and Axel was a, a cancer specialist, but he was there, and 
for each speakers, each PhD student or postdoc, he had a, a, a very, you know, um, a talented question. That was the question. So he was able to really understand everything. And I was, and I was impressed by his uh, kindness and his willingness to, to, to teach things to the other people. And uh, so, so I've learned that, you know, the, the, the kindness and willingness to, and willingness to teach. And I was also, uh, also, um, uh, uh, I have to say that I, I had at this time um, an incredible PhD mentor, so that he was my, my, my director. And he, he taught me everything uh, about uh, molecular biology and how to handle things. And when I was desperate, for example, when I was like, oh, my PCI is not working. And at the beginning, actually, I, I spent like six months to, to, to try uh, uh, to, 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 to succeed with my PCI. And he, he was like, this is only a technical problem. And a technical problem is not a problem. We're going to solve it. And, and don't be desperate because, don't be desperate because of that. You will solve it and, and you'll see then, then, then you'll, 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 you'll succeed. And he was right, actually. Uh, so yeah, so so I've learned, you know, that tenacity. I've learned this kind of thing that you 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 sometimes you don't have chance, but you have to you have to 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 still uh, focus and to still try, and you'll succeed at some point. <laughs> Yeah, fingers fingers crossed. Yeah, <laughs> field will get there in the end. <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you very much, Julie. Um, is there anywhere patients can go to learn more about the work you're doing? Uh, well, actually, yeah, of course. Uh, we have we have a a, a website um, where we put uh, things uh, um, ongoing. Uh, we have also a Twitter account. Uh, we have, uh, and I have an email. So, so also, so if if you know patients uh, wants to want to talk with me, want to share things, want to be more involved, they can they they they, they can contact me, and I will do my best to help them uh, or to explain things. Uh, I used to do that when I was when I was in France. I used to 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 talk with patients, you know, like like twice a year, and I still do it actually. Uh, among you know, I, I go I go in different regions of uh, of uh, of France, and to to talk to with different patients and to explain what we do, what are the major advances uh, we've made during the during the the the, the, the last year, etc. etc. So yeah, I'm I'm always open to this kind of of uh, of discussion. It's always a pleasure. Brilliant. Thank you very much for your time today, Julie. Well, you're welcome. I was really happy and uh, thank you for the interview. All right. Well, thanks very much, Kate, and particularly Dr. Duanso for joining us, taking the time to talk a little bit about uh, the FSHD field, the great stuff going on in your lab, and then, you know, the efforts across Europe and, and in England for um, clinical trials. It's really, really important that uh, Great Britain is part of clinical trials for FSHD. Um, for those of you interested, you know, Julie Dumonso, Dr. Dumonso is uh, part of the Translational Myology Laboratory at University College London, Great Ormond Street Institute of Child Health. And she mentioned, you know, you can get in touch with her. She likes to, you know, to be always happy to, you know, go into more depth on what's going on. Her email is j.dumonso at ucl.org. 
www.dumonc.ac.uk, and I'll spell it out for you. <laughs> J.D.U.M.O.N.C.E.A.U.X. at ucl.ac.uk. If you're in Great Britain and you want to you know, learn about some really fantastic local FSHD research going on, I mean, there, there's actually a number of FSHD labs in, uh, in uh, the UK that are doing some great work. And we'll, you know, we'll try to get across to, to each one of them and, and see what's going on. You know, it's important to become part of your uh, local registry and uh, take part in clinical trials when they come. You need to be organized in order to have those clinical trials uh, so you don't have to travel too far. So thank you again. And next week, I'll be back in the chair and I'm going to uh, sit down with uh, Dr. Takako Jones, also known as well, I guess I'm known as Mr. Takako Jones, um, but she, we're going to talk about FSHD animal models and eh, just kind of, you know, the role that how important it is to do this type of research. I know it can be controversial somewhat to talk about animal research, but, you know, um, getting to clinics safely with something safe and efficacious is really important. And, you know, it's in animal research, frankly, it takes takes an important role, plays an important role in in that path to clinic. And I think one of the reasons clinical trials fail is because of uh, incomplete or inadequate uh, work done in proper animal models. It's been an issue in FSHD field for years, but we're addressing it all. And, you know, we always minimize the number of animals. We minimize pain and distress. But at, at the end of the day, you know, the, I'm sorry, but the people are what's most important. The patients are most important. And we're going to make sure we have safe, efficacious treatments come into clinic. And so we're going to talk with Takako. She's developed some of the best models, the most widely used models in the field. And uh, we'll go into that and uh, hopefully uh, she'll, she'll, she'll treat me nice. Um, so thanks again. And thanks for tuning in. Make sure to log in and uh, subscribe to the My FSHD podcast. And uh, we'll catch you later.